Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockham Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Remember us? I know we didn't do a show on Sunday. It hasn't been that long. But we're back in your podcast feed. We didn't have the Missouri football team to look terrible and run defense on Saturday. We got to live our lives in peace without the stress or worry of how embarrassing they're going to look in this and whatever game they're playing. And uh, obviously the team had a great time. They got a big recruit last week. They got a couple of days off. And now we are in Vanderbilt week, which BK, I think you put it succinctly, the, the week where only bad things can happen. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm going to be better when it's over. Um, it's it's one of those weeks, as you mentioned, where if you win, good. That's what you were supposed to do. And everybody gives them a pat on the back and we all move on and say, oh, God, Georgia's on the other side of this. Um, and if you lose, holy hell, the world is coming to an end. This team's going to win three games this year with none of them coming up against Power 5 competition. Whoa, boy, is this worse than we expected it to be. So there is very little happy medium in a game like this where, yeah, it's a Power 5 opponent, but only by name. If you're looking at the quality of opponent, you would have the numbers on this better than I do, but are they worse than Central Michigan and North Texas? Uh, Yes, by quite a bit. I mean, that's that'll tell you everything that you need to know, you know, like that. That's this is a really bad opponent that Missouri is about to go up against. Yeah. And actually, um, Bill Connolly has been doing something really interesting. Um, he has been. He does he does FBS uh, SP plus rankings. He also does FCS and D2 and D3. And a couple of weeks ago, he ranked all of the FBS and FCS. So all division one teams, he ranked them all on, on the same spreadsheet like this is your sp plus rating how would that shake out if all god uh, 300 uh fbs and fcs teams are smashed together as if they were playing together and of course the top is all the usual suspects from the fbs the power five level there were several uh, like noticeable fcs teams that were in the top 25 or even in the top 50 Interesting. Uh, East Tennessee State, a team that did beat Vanderbilt, was up there. They are currently 28th in the FCS uh, with a killer defense, and I think they ranked 70 something, uh, which is better than Missouri. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, like it, there's a lot of FCS teams that are actually pretty dang good. That if they were at the FBS level, they would be able to hold their own. Uh, Vanderbilt was at the bottom. Like <laughs> they, are, they are worse than many, many, many FCS teams. Uh, which, which is you can look at them and you can see. Now this isn't. This isn't something that's going to stay. They they've obviously recruit like uh kind of a lower tier power five team, much like Missouri has before the Eli Drinkwitz era. They have tons of three stars. They have several four stars on the roster, including their quarterback. Um, they they recruit fine, not not good for the SEC, but fine for just the the power five FBS level. It's just they have not had good coaching. They have not had a good system in place for the past six years and Clark Lee has come in and he is trying to overhaul this entire thing. And it's just kind of, it's going to be a rough go. So yes, Missouri should win this game. Yes. It will probably be closer than what you want it to be. No, there's not a single score that you could post. that make me feel good about this win because at this point, Missouri is what they are. It's not going to get fixed. And we just kind of have to cruise to the end of the season and then hope for good things next year. You know? 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like that, this game just just get the win. I don't. I honestly don't even care what the score is. Like I, I maybe my tune changes whenever we record on Saturday or Sunday, and we're talking about it, and it was a twenty-seven to twenty-five nail biter of a win. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, God, this is not good. This does not portend good things for Missouri for the rest of the season. Um, but as of right now, man, just get the win. Get out of there. Figure it out. Get home. Be be healthy. Be safe. And then just hopefully avoid any sort of injuries against Georgia. Like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. The next two weeks are really about get out of these with a win and healthy against Georgia. And then let's see what happens the final three weeks against South Carolina, Florida, and Arkansas. Absolutely. So we actually got some uh, some housekeeping to take care of. Roster management news. I'm looking at the the trade wire, if you will. Uh, we've we've lost some people. We've gained some people, and uh, we're we're going to talk about that here just to get make sure everybody's aware of where the roster currently sits. So let's start with the transfer portal. We have uh, Missouri has lost two players via transfer portal. We'll hit the first one first. Uh, that seems to be the best place to start. Uh, Jay Macklin last week sometime last week uh said that he hit the transfer portal he uh was not seeing a lot of playing time this year uh hadn't seen any playing time the year before uh but he was obviously injured to start the season and he came back a couple games ago but over what the 14 games that he was available to play uh three targets (laughs) that's it uh so i i think uh Jay Macklin's Missouri education uh, did him well. He was able to count to six and he was able to see that he was not one of the six receivers getting heavy rotation. And then on top of that, next year we got Luther Burden, uh, Mackay, uh, Kai Miller and Jamarian Wayne. And he said, yep, I'm not going to be seeing playing time anytime soon. I'm going to go somewhere else. So Jay hit uh, Jamori hit the transfer portal. He is the cousin of Jeremy Macklin kind of feels like that's the only reason we really care about the fact that he hit the transfer portal is the last name on the back of the Jersey. Otherwise he really didn't do much, but we wish him well. I saw North Texas offered him immediately. So he's got an option. Uh, but uh, BK, I think this is just one of those, you know, Hey, good luck. And we're okay with this. Correct. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's okay to have a roster churn. And I know the last name changes things on this one in particular. He he came with the Macklin last name. And so there were expectations that came along with that. The reality was he just, he's, he's not Jeremy Macklin. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but he was never going to be. And I do think for him, this may end up being the best thing because the expectations at Missouri were just always going to be unrealistic from the moment that he arrived on campus. And as you mentioned, he can count. I mean, Mookie Cooper, Dominic Lovett, J.J. Hester, Chance Looper, uh, Boo Smith, um, Towski Dove. And then you look at next year's class, there's at least two more that could potentially emerge in the rotation above him. That's six, seven, eight guys that are not just right now ahead of him. I didn't count any of the current seniors that are potentially going to be on their way out this year. That's even next year and beyond that will be ahead of Macklin. So there was just no real route for him to be able to see the field consistently at Missouri. And now hopefully he can go elsewhere and have more opportunities. And for a lot of guys, that's how this works. You go to college, you end up at a power five university, and then you go to a group of five school where you get better opportunities. That's that's kind of the way that is one thing that actually has been good about the transfer portal is kids like Macklin can go to what maybe was their dream school find out if they have what it takes to be able to start there. And then if the answer is no, that's fine. I can go somewhere else and maybe have more success elsewhere. I'll admit to being one of the people with outlandish expectations for Macklin the Younger. And that's not fair. That's not fair to him. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But, you know, I was like, oh, hey, you know, year one on campus, uh, he's going to be returning kicks. He's going to be hitting bubble screens and taking them for 25, 30 yards. Like, it's not it's not fair. It's not logical, but that's kind of what sports are, right? It's not fair and it's not logical. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was very cool that he committed and that he stayed committed once Drinkwitz came on board. My expectations for him were obviously misplaced, but I, I do appreciate him giving the school a shot. I appreciate that he has the opportunity to go elsewhere, like you said. 
And it sounds like he's going to land on his feet, probably in the FBS level, maybe at a group of five team or maybe a power five team. I don't know, but uh, the kid's going to be able to have some room to grow and be his own self, be his own Macklin um, at a different team. And that's, that is a good thing. I, I agree with you on that. So uh, that is, it's kind of, that's it. Good luck, Jay, uh, Jamori. Hope you do well. Uh, hope we don't have to see you again. I think, don't know when Missouri plays North Texas again. That'd be really weird if he came back um, and he was on the team, but whatever. But that wasn't the only uh, transfer portal uh, subtraction. Uh, also, a uh, couple, was it Monday? Uh, I don't know. Time is a construct that I don't keep track of anymore. But sometime before today, uh, we lost Jamie Petway to the transfer portal. This one was an interesting one, BK. Jamie Petway, uh, was kind of a special teams star, a uh, rough term, last year. Uh, pro- probably known more for the hit that he laid out on the Arkansas player at the end of the year last year um, on a punt return. But he had started to see himself into the rotation. He started seeing some time, not, not a lot of playing time, mind you, but he and Chad Bailey were getting worked in in relief of Devin Nicholson and Blaze Aldridge. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, like he's not great, but you know, he's young and he's, he's getting the experience and okay, we can work with this. Well, Jamie's gone. I don't know where he's going to end up. I don't know what kind of offers he has right now, but in a linebacking room that is short on talent and short on bodies, it just lost another one. Um, so PK, what are you, what were your thoughts when you first saw this one come across the wire here? Much of it. I got to be honest with you, man. It, this this felt like some natural roster churn to me. The timing was the only thing that really surprised me. It, it's midseason. I, I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense to do it now, but you're right. He was seeing more playing time. I, I don't know that that was going to be the case like next year for him. I, I don't see a a very clear path for him to be like an every down starter for Mizzou. I think the linebacker spot is the one place where if if I am a player there right now, I'm wondering what my future holds at Missouri, unless I'm a freshman like uh, Damian Wilson, I, Zach Lovett. They're in a different category. They've got a lot of time still. But otherwise, my assumption is Missouri's going to try to find at least one, maybe two starters for next year via the transfer portal or or in the junior college ranks. Like they I don't think they have next year starters currently on the roster, at least in the best case scenario. So if you're Jamie Petway and that's the case, I mean, you're looking at potentially being the fifth or sixth linebacker next year. And that doesn't have a whole lot of um, if I'm him, I wouldn't be super excited about that. I get it. Obviously, he's going to be operating with a lot more knowledge than either you or I are going to have about this team and this roster. And I do agree that there's going to be additions via transfer portal or the Juco ranks for the linebacker specifically and some other position groups, but definitely linebacker. Um, It's just, I know you and I were were talking about this when, when it first came across, Mm -hmm. I understand that he was not Nick Bolton incarnate. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that was the case, but you got to build up your roster somehow. And yes, you can do that via transfer portal and, and Juco and, and kind of try and infuse talent that way. That's ready to go. Taylor made, but you also need to build up younger guys. I know Jamie wasn't the youngest guy in the linebacking room. He was a sophomore, but that's the type of player that you want to work into the rotation and, and build long-term. Maybe he didn't have it now, but give him the reps and give him the experience and give him some time. And that, that, that is a type of player, a, a three-star player that can develop into something that can, that can maybe be a serviceable linebacker. And in a season, I hate to use the term lost season, but in a season like this one where it's like, Hey, just figure out what's going to work long-term, put put some guys out there and, and create your rotation and figure out who wants it. Like this is the, that's the type of player that you want to be trotting out there this year. I don't know why he wasn't getting the snaps. Now, obviously the coaching staff knows way better than I do, but to me, that is the loss. It's, the loss of an underclassman at a position of desperate need. Um, and, and he's not going to be there. And you're going to fill that slot with a two-year player, maybe three-year player if you're lucky. So, But that's what Petway was at this point. I understand that that it, would be a, like, you know, yeah, a trade, basically. I understand that. But like, 
I don't know. It just add add another three year player and then keep the three year player that you already have. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but I'm sad that a younger player couldn't crack the rotation this year, and that's probably why he's leaving. But yeah, I like that type of player long term. I, I get it, man. I, I really do. It, it stinks. I I just I never really saw it. Um, I I think he could go on to have success elsewhere, but. If you're looking, I, I will say this, if you're looking for one place that the last um, the, the last coaching staff maybe missed on more so than others, it'd probably be linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at the roster right now, they are just, they don't have a lot of talent at that spot. And I, I don't know what the future holds for Wilson or Lovett, so I'm, I'm taking them out of this conversation entirely, but it, it just hasn't worked. So the guys that they've had there outside of Nick Bolton just haven't really been very effective over the last few years. This isn't just a one-year thing. I mean, how many times did we have the conversation of who's going to step up next to Nick Bolton? Mm-hmm. I feel like we had that conversation almost every day during the last few years, and the end result was basically like, hey, Martez Manuel's a linebacker now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I actually, if I had my druthers... I. I think I would give him a shot, by the way, as just a starting linebacker. Let's just see what that looks like. Um, I don't know if it would work. I don't know that it would be any worse than what you're seeing right now, though. I think he'd be pretty similar against the run, and I think he'd be significantly better against the pass. So I, I think that's something that I would prefer to see the rest of the year than some of the guys that we're seeing get legitimate playing time. And he he's he's got some more playing time here, so I... That's the guy that I would rather see there. Yeah. Martez Manuel is so good against the run from the safety position, which is curious because Sean Robinson, our beloved quarterback turned safety hmm. is essentially the third linebacker. Um, Sean's making plays, you know, when he makes a tackle, it is like it's three yards away from the line of scrimmage and he's walking down almost every play. Um, kind of as a, like a strong side linebacker. Um, I, I don't know why him and not Martez, maybe he's better in coverage or I, I don't know, but no, I, I think that's, so he's the nickel technically he like is. When, when they're playing the nickel, yeah. he's, he's the, playing that spot. Mm-hmm. And the problem for Missouri is that a lot of people are playing big against them because why in the world would you pass? Yeah, you don't need to. <laughs> so what that does is when you're, when you're playing big against Missouri and they're in the, they're quote unquote big nickel. And you've got Sean Robinson out there. He more often than not is going to be helping out in run defense as opposed to as a a pass defender. And that ends up putting him in the box and he's used accordingly. He's been pretty good in the role. I got to be honest, like he's been super impressive in that way. But I mean, if you're telling me, hey, you can either have Martez Manuel at linebacker for the rest of the season or you can see Blaze Aldridge. I'll take Martez Manuel and let's see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just a permanent position change where next year he goes under the season and he's a linebacker for you. It wouldn't be the first time that we've seen safeties convert to linebacker, even as an undersized guy that's happening in the NFL nowadays because of how much of a pass happy league it is. It's probably going to leave you a little more vulnerable against the run, but Blaze Aldridge isn't helping you a ton right now against the run. Neither is Devin Nicholson and you're you're not getting a whole lot of help in that regard from the guys that are currently there. At least I've seen Martez Manuel make plays in that respect. Mm-hmm. So I, I bring all of that up in the conversation, of course, about Petway, because <laughs> I just don't think Petway was part of the solution to their problem. And he might be at a group of five level for another team, but I don't think that was going to happen here. And whether it be a Juco guy or a transfer, or even if it is Martez Manuel, whoever it may be, I think all of those are better options for this team moving forward. So while I wish him all the best moving forward, I don't think this was a huge loss for Mizzou, at least from my perspective. It does give us the opportunity to see Chuck Hicks. <clears throat> now, if you know, that name sounds familiar, but you can't quite put your finger on it. That was the Wyoming transfer um, who transferred in, August from Wyoming to Mizzou. Yeah. Like week one. Yeah. Um, and God, was it even September? Jeez. He got cleared uh, to play this year. We all kind of thought he was going to be, you know, he's going to have to sit out this year, which sucks because he already took his redshirt year in 2018, but he's cleared to play. He dressed against um, Texas A&M. He's been on the field for the past or on the sideline. I should say for the past couple games, hasn't seen the field, 
But, you know, your linebacking room is Blaze Aldridge, Devin Nicholson, Chad Bailey, Will Norris, Damian Wilson, Zach Lovett, and Chuck Hicks. We've pretty much established that Damian Wilson and Zach Lovett are not going to be serviceable linebackers this year. Will Norris has seen a handful of snaps, so it's probably not him either. So if you got three guys and Blaze Aldridge is in, you know, the naughty bad timeout chair, then I don't know. I, maybe this is Chuck Hicks time to to make some noise or yeah, maybe you roll Martez manual down and, and assign him as the weak side linebacker. I don't know, but uh, this is an opportunity for him. I hope he practices well so he can see the field. And if not, then just yet another body taking up space for the Missouri linebackers. Um, but yeah, good luck to Jamie Petway. Uh, that's obviously this is what this is about. Uh, I'm sure he'll land somewhere on his feet to someplace good. Whatever it is, I hope he gets a starting role and I hope he gets to play well. And uh, we, uh, Missouri will just continue to, to chug along. I took a look at the transfer portal for linebackers uh, a couple days ago. Wasn't happy. Wasn't happy about it. I'm not totally sure what we're going to get based off of what we see right now. Obviously, the transfer portal will be a little fuller once the season is over. At that point, we'll get a better idea of who's available and who might make sense. Um, but for now, linebackers will continue to be a liability, and they'll just be one less of them that we have to worry about. So I guess that's nice. Yeah, I, I, for what it's worth, you, you mentioned Chuck Hicks. I'm curious to see what he looks like out there. I, I, I know they mentioned, hey, maybe he's a guy that gets some reps moving forward. Let's see it. But at, at this point, you're not going to a bowl game. Like, let's be honest. So this is about, as you've been saying all year long, how, what, what do you have for next year? What, what do you have currently on the roster that can help you in 2022? Well, Blaze Aldridge isn't helping you in 2022. So can Chuck Hicks, is he a guy that's going to be around next year that's going to help you out uh, as even if it's not a starting linebacker, maybe your third or fourth guy? Yeah. I don't know, but let's see it. Yeah. <laughs> let's see if he can. And that's something that we could learn over the next three, four weeks. And, you know, Vanderbilt's a good team to figure some stuff out. Mm -hmm. Like, again, it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch because you have a glaring weakness that everyone can take advantage of. But it's a pretty safe place to do it. Uh, you can do it against Georgia, too. Why not? You're going to get your brains bashed in. See what else you got. <laughs> Let's just figure it out. So we'll, we will see on Saturday what the linebacking rotation is. Um, and we'll, we'll report on it once we see it. But, uh, yeah, good luck, Jamie Petway. We also had some other losses. And these are the less, well, I guess no loss is good. But this one's kind of sadder than just hitting the transfer portal. We got not one, not two, but three dudes who were injured uh, against Texas A&M or games before Texas A&M and are now lost for the season. The first one was Mason Pack. Uh, he was a safety, a walk-on safety. Earned a scholarship last year. Very cool story. Came back for this year. Seen the field a little bit. Uh, I think he had about 20 snaps to his name, most of them against SEMO. Uh, but he is injured and he is going to be gone for the rest of the season. Now, he was a super senior, so his scholarship didn't count towards this year anyway, but he is not going to be able to finish his career, which sucks. Uh, he will be able to walk out for senior day and all that good stuff, but he is not going to be playing anymore. Uh, obviously, the walk-on does good and gets a scholarship story is one of my favorites. I'm glad that Mason Pack earned it. I'm sorry to see his career end like this. Good luck. <laughs> sorry, Mason. Let's talk about the ones that are actual, like, recruited scholarship guys. First one, Case Cook. Case Cook, what, second year captain for Missouri? Mm -hmm. uh, interior guard. He was, he's been injured, like, all year. Uh, missed a couple games. Tried to go against Texas A&M. Couldn't go for very long. He is done for the season. And as a fourth-year player... He could just go ahead and declare for the NFL. Uh, sorry, fifth-year player. God, what am I talking about? 2017 class was when he came in. We had talked about, even before the season started, as Case Cook was a guy who could, could reasonably not come back for his senior year. BK, given the fact that his season is done via injury, quality of this team <laughs> the quality of his play is he a guy that you say he, 
he will come back or is he more of a guy like, look, he's just going to go in the NFL and give it a shot when he can. I mean, if he wants to come back, I, I don't think that there is so much demand for him in the NFL that it's like, oh, how could I possibly um, like say no to the opportunity to be drafted in the second round? That's just not realistic for him right now. So if he wants to come back, I think you bring him back. And I know that there were some comments from Eli Drinkwitz earlier this week that maybe that's something that could be possible. If I had to bet one way or the other right now, I would say I would bet on him being back next year if if he can be. I, I just don't see why not. You know, if he wants to stick around for another season and play another year of college football, by all means, God bless him. He's a, he's a solid player. He's certainly not the problem. Right. If you made a list of the 50 issues that is hurting Missouri football right now, Case Cook is not on that list. So if he wants to come back next year, let's have him back. Uh, it's been a, a really rough year from him, as you mentioned, from an injury perspective. But yeah, I, he's he's not right now in a spot where he can just declare for the NFL draft and say, you know what, I'm going to go in the third round. I'm going to go make my millions of dollars and move forward. That's that's not it. He's If he ends up going to the NFL, the likelihood would be he he latches on as some sort of camp tryout and maybe makes a roster. Mm-hmm. More likely than not, he ends up on either a practice squad or not making a team. Yeah. I mean, he's been here since 2017. He's played in 35 games. He started 25 of them. Past two seasons, he's had 957 snaps to his name. So he's got a lot of experience. This year hasn't been great, but again, he's been injured for most of it. So... Personally, I think he should come back. I think he could use another year with a better team around him uh, to make his case for for NFL teams. I don't think he I think he's good. I don't know if he's going to get a look just based off of rep, but obviously NFL scouts do a very good job of finding overlooked people and and even on bad teams. So, like, there's a good chance that maybe someone likes him. I just. do Do you leave for? sixth or seventh round projection. Most people tend to say like, if that's your projection, you should come back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm no expert, but I don't think he's going to be a third or fourth round projected Mm. offensive lineman. So I think it would be in his best interest to come back. uh, But maybe he knows something that we don't. Or maybe he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm done at the college level and I want to give it a shot. In which case that's fine. I had assumed he's coming back. Um, but we will we will find out towards the end of the season. The other loss uh, was from the defensive side. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to be nice. Chris Turner, who's been with the team since 2017, defensive end. Uh, he was injured as well against Texas A&M, and he is done for the season. Now, he has – the dude has been a starter, or at least seen the field a ton, since his freshman year. Um. So I think he's one, two, three. Yeah, he was a fifth-year player. Um, but he he is done, and he's like he's done, done because he played seven games this year. There's no opportunity for a red shirt after that, so he is. There's no chance that he can come back. We've talked about Chris Turner before. Again, we have no problems with Chris Turner, the human being. Obviously, Chris Turner, the football player, is a very hard worker. Probably practices very hard as a high-level motor. Obviously, very talented, athletic, uh, defensive end. Uh, also one who played in 51 games and made 55 tackles. Also one who has played for five years and logged four and a half sacks as a defensive end. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, that is uh, only two more than what Johnny Walker has done in six games. So um, Chris Turner, we appreciate your service. We appreciate you wearing the black and gold and representing Missouri. Best of luck in the future. I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, don't think it's going to be the NFL, but uh, good luck, sir. We appreciate the we appreciate the work. Chris Turner is the player who I always felt this way about Ryan Rosberg on the basketball team. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Ryan Rosberg's fault that he was a starter. It wasn't. He was asked to do more than he was capable of. And Ryan Rosberg is like the ninth guy on a on a roster, the ninth guy in a rotation. Really nice piece of a college basketball team. That could be a tournament team. Ryan Rosberg as like your fourth best player and one of your leading scorers and a starter on your roster. Ooh, buddy, that ain't going to work for you. And that was the case in Chris Turner's career. If Chris Turner was like your fourth defensive end in his senior year, 
where that was his first time really seeing significant action. You felt pretty good about what Chris Turner was as a as a player. You know, he's perfectly fine. He goes out there. He doesn't hurt you defensively. When Chris Turner is your second best defensive end for like a four year stretch, that's where it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And that is more on the roster management and the coaching staff for not bringing in upgrades over Chris Turner than it is on Chris Turner himself. He didn't do anything wrong. In fact, it sounds like he did everything right. Mm -hmm. He played hard. He practiced hard. Uh, when Eli Drink was talked about him earlier this week after finding out that he was going to be out for the rest of the season, he said he never had a bad day. So it seems like he was a great guy in the locker room. They wouldn't have invited him back this year if he wasn't, let's be honest. Um, so everything about him as a person and as a player in terms of just like what he could control, nothing but glowing things to say. The problem for Mizzou is that he is so symbolic of their issues at being able to improve that position as a whole. Every year that he was a starter, you wanted an upgrade over him. And every year he just kept going out there and getting more and more reps. And that was the problem. It was. It was. Uh, you just think about all the defensive ends who have been on this team who couldn't beat him out. And I know a lot of people, myself included, are like, well, what does he do? What, what does he do so well that he gets to, you know, that he's starting? Well, he works his butt off, has a good attitude and works hard. And that goes a long way in college football. You know, and certainly it goes a long way with, with, with football coaches. And if you're fundamentally sound, like you play your gap correctly, you contain, or you kind of press to the outside or, you know, kind of shuffle off to, to linebacker to make a play like that. That's what you want him to do. At, at, at a base, at a base level, you'd also like him to make a few plays here and there, um, which he wasn't the best at doing. But like he was, he was not going to make the wrong choice. He just wasn't going to make a play for you. Um, so that's okay. That's okay. Missouri's got a lot of issues at defensive end that are not related to Chris Turner, like you said. It's just mostly like he was the he was the bar, and nobody that they brought in could exceed the bar except for Trace and Jeff Cote and Isaiah McGuire. So. Um, we will we'll move on from him. Um, I he's got his degree. I know Sam thought that he was gonna stick around long enough to get his doctorate, which that's not too far off. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, hope he hope he uses his education well. Hope he enjoys his time in Columbia, and uh, we will we will move on from the Chris Turner experience. So that is one, two, three. That is five guys uh, who will not be taking the field for the rest of this season or any of the seasons going forward. That's a lot of losses. That's a lot of scholarships off the plate. What does that mean? Walk on scholarship time, baby. Got to fill those scholars and you want a good story to do it. And coach Drinkwitz found his dude. It wasn't no fanfare, no big announcement other than just like a real quick press release email. Um, but Michael Cox, maybe our second best running back for in a walk on uh, and Daniel Hawthorne, uh, the backup lawn snapper. Both of them were put on scholarship this week. Uh, which is awesome. I, I would love to see the video. I don't know how they did it. Every other walk-on scholarship has gotten a video, so I'm assuming we're going to see something similar from the Missouri football uh, PR team. Um, but these two are officially on scholarship. Cox has a running back, and then, of course, Hawthorne, who will be replacing uh, Jake Hoffman, our current scholarship lawn snapper, who will be graduating this season, uh, I think. So uh, congratulations to both of them. That's awesome. And uh, I hope they get their degree and enjoy the lack of student debt and enjoy hmm. being a football player from Missouri because that's, uh, that's, that's just a cool story. I always love that sort of stuff. It's great. And for, for Cox in particular, he's a guy that it, it wouldn't be surprising probably to anybody if he ends up actually making a mark on this team by the time that his journey is done at Missouri. I mean, if he's... And he, he seemingly is one of the top two to three running backs right now on the mm -hmm. roster. There's no reason to believe that's going to change next year. <laughs> uh, I think you're going to see a decent amount of Cox in, in 2022. So congratulations to him. He's clearly earned it. He's earned legit reps, much less a scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, I wish him nothing but the best moving forward. He is the he is the tallest running back. He's almost the heaviest. Taj Butts has got him outweighed by five pounds. But he he is just that different type of back. Tyler Beatty, short and fast. Elijah Young, short and fast. BJ Harris, short and fast. Michael Cox, fat and angry. Just huh. 
just angry as runner. Uh, and we, we saw that uh, the SEMO he, game. He is he is not fat, by the way. He is huge. Stout. He has like no fat on his Stout. body. Thick boy. Uh, those SEMO runs. So what is he at? Eight rushes, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that dude, he's earned it. He's earned it with the SEMO performance. What was the other game that he scored in? Was it uh, North Texas? Where was it? Tennessee. No, I think it was. I want to say it was Tennessee, but let me check on that. Um, his other one, Boston College. Boston, Boston College, College. That's right. The week. The what, next yep, week. He came in at the goal yeah, line. That's right. Yeah, he's awesome. Like that. That long run against Semo was just perfection, and he was so happy when he hit the end zone. I was like, <laughs> I love that. I love that stuff. Uh, so yeah, he. You know, he is a. He's a COVID freshman, so this is his second year. Um, so yeah, he's got another one, two, three, four. He's got another four years if he wants it. Who knows, man? Once Tyler Beatty's gone, I don't know what the rest of the year is going to look like for the running backs. If Elijah Young or BJ Harris establish themselves, um, but Michael Cox has had certainly the the highlight reel type of runs uh, that those other two haven't had yet. And it's always nice to have kind of a mix, uh, mix up in what the running backs can do. That's why Dawson Downing gets snaps. He's kind of a bigger guy too. Um, so, you know, that there's going to be some some space for that because Downing's Downing's gone after this year. So at a very bare minimum, uh, Cox can be there for pass protection or short yardage, uh, just as a mix up. But um, certainly well earned. And for Daniel Hawthorne, look, man, you always need a lawn snapper. You always need good lawn snappers. And if you have one. Well, get him paid. Uh, put him on scholarship. Hold on to him because that's that's a that's a tough skill. Not all everybody has it, and you never notice it when it's good. But if it's not good, you, it's the first thing you the notice. First thing you notice. Uh, I remember, you know, back when Jeff Wolfert was setting the record for consecutive kicks made. You know, we'd be sitting there just like good snap, good hold, good snap, good hold. <laughs> like it's it's an underrated part of it, but you need both to set up the kicker to be successful. And again, if you have the good ones, you you hold on to them. So hope it's well earned. It certainly seems like it is. Uh, and uh, we got another four years of him as well. So I think uh, lawn snapping you, we're getting it established through the walk on <laughs> ranks. I'm I'm feeling good, pretty good about it, BK. Yeah, it's uh, when you've got good special teamers. And right now, Missouri does that by SP plus. I think the last time I checked, they were number one in the country. I don't know if that yep, still, still remains true. the case after last still week. Uh, keep that going. You know, there, there's no reason to take away from something that is a strength right now, because for so many years, that was like one of the biggest issues that Missouri had early in the Barry Odom tenure. Missouri's special teams were awful, mm. just so bad. And now you have a coach that clearly puts an emphasis on them and a coach that puts the roster spots behind that. So uh, congratulations to to all around, both to Hawthorne and to Cox. And um, I'm interested to see how Hawthorne's able to do next year, potentially, if he's if he gets that opportunity. Absolutely. So now we get to pivot to our favorite uh, weekly update, the Luther Burden update. Except this one's going to be a little bit different because not only is it Mizzou commit Luther Burden, but Luther Burden's highlights was that he fought a dude. He fought a dude from IMG Academy. That wasn't really like a real fight. They weren't like kicking or punching each other, but like they're, they're definitely scrapping on the sideline. Old Luther Burden got thrown out of the game for fighting. So he didn't get to play the full game against IMG, but from the minutes that he was on the field, it's pretty dang good. Um, I'm just, Okay. I will admit this late at night before I go to bed, I pull open my recruiting spreadsheet. I click over to the tab that says 2022. And I just look at the first recruit on that list. It's got five stars next to it. And it says Luther burden and makes me happy and lets me go to sleep. Happy. How are you feeling about this BK? I mean, great. He's a very good football player who's coming to the University of Missouri, and I'm a big fan of it. Hey, don't get thrown out of games at Mizzou, though, Luther. Let's let's go ahead and avoid that next year. Um, it it seemed pretty light. Yeah. I'm not sure that what he was booted for was warranted, um, but neither here nor there. You can't be whether you call it an open fist punch, a push, whatever it was. You, you can't be doing it. 
Um, he was clearly frustrated. His team was not playing very well against IMG. They ended up getting beat pretty bad um, before he left. And this was like right at the end of the first half. He had four catches for 35 yards and a touchdown. Overall, solid game by by Luther Burden. Pretty much what you'd expect from him against legit top-end talent. I mean, IMG is like the Georgia of high school, but better because the rest of high school teams don't recruit the way that the rest of college football teams do. It's like the gap between IMG and literally everybody else is as sizable as any gap in any sport that you could possibly imagine. So for them to for him to perform well on that on that stage was was good to see, but no no more no more pushing, shoving, punching, Luther. No no more of that, please. No, thank you. So that is your Luther Burden update. Not a lot, but he didn't do a lot. He got his touchdown though. That's what's really important. Um touchdown Luther. Got gotta find a better nickname. I know that's what he does. TDLB. I don't know. We gotta we gotta think of something because that's just it's it's awkward. It's un it's it doesn't work for me. So we will figure it out. I want to move on real quick. Something the BK noticed. Wanted to talk about too. In Eli Drinkwitz's press conference this week, there was a question that was brought up about Connor Basilak, the, the quote unquote the quarterback situation. And we all we, we've all heard it. We've all heard you know Connor Basilak is our quarterback. All that, you know, what's your, what you're supposed to say. And you all know that both BK and I and others at Rocket Nation have been pushing for some of the younger guys to see a series, get a couple snaps in, see what they can do against, you know, SEC power five competition. You, you all know where we stand on that. Well, there's a little, little bit of a break this week. Eli Drinkwitz did say Connor Bazelak is our quarterback, but he threw a little extra, a little extra something at the end there. Quote, but there's always competition. But there's always competition. That's about the closest you're going to get to Eli Drinkwitz admitting that Connor Bay's like is not guaranteed to be the starter. Um, BK, what do you think about this? Found it interesting. I don't think he says that for no reason. Eli Drinkwitz is not somebody who just randomly says things. Everything that he says has a purpose. It's like last year when at the end of a game, he was talking about Boomer and then said, oh, no, that had nothing to do with recruiting. OK, um, sure. Yeah, no, Luther Burden definitely wasn't committed or considering decommitting at that point in time from Oklahoma. OK, yeah, sure. Gotcha, Eli. Um, he says stuff for a reason, and he's very intentional with what he says. He's very intentional with what he posts on social media. And I find it very interesting that earlier this year, he said that uh, Connor Bazelak needs to cut out the crap when it comes to him looking like he's hurt after a bunch <laughs> of different plays throughout the course of the season. Um, he has said multiple times since, no, he's not hurt, even though it feels and looks like he might be hurt. That doesn't mean injured, but hurt right now, playing through something, some kind of pain. And now he says, basically unprovoked, yeah, there's competition at that spot, despite all season long saying the opposite, indicating, no, Connor Bazelak is our best chance to win, and we're going to continue going with him. There is there is nobody else that gives us a better chance to win right now than Connor Bazelak. I think this is something worth monitoring moving forward. I don't know if this is going to be a change. I don't know if this means anything for the rest of this season or if this is just previewing what is to come in spring ball. But I would not think that Connor Bazelak, even if he remains the starter the rest of the year, don't think he's going to be handed the job in spring ball. I bet you they go into it. And I, I don't think this is just them going to be saying it. I think in spring ball, it's going to be a little bit of an open competition between Bazelak, Cook, and at that point, Macon, and then whenever you get Sam Horn in the in the mix as well, he will be added into that over the summer. I think you're going to see a competition for the quarterback spot going into next year, and I think there should be a competition for the quarterback spot going into next year. I mean, every every college football coach always talks about how no one's job is safe. There's always open competition, but most of them stick with the ones that they know, the ones that make them feel safe. The ones that quote unquote, give them the best chance to win, which usually turns into don't make as many mistakes. But 
you know where we stand. Like, yes, <laughs> get make it a competition. If it is in spring ball heading into the 2022 season, fine. That's fine. I do think it's worth trying them out during real games, especially like games that should just not be a question at all, including Vanderbilt in Georgia. I'm not saying, you know, trot them out in the game winning drive against South Carolina or put them out there like first snap against Arkansas. Like, no, I don't think Brady cook or Tyler Macon should be in that position. I think Connor Bazelak should. I'll say this out loud and I don't know how it's going to be interpreted, but if we get to 2023 and Connor Bazelak is still the starting quarterback, I'm, I, I feel confident that I'm going to have a feel a lot of disappointment. Disappointment. Because while I trust at this point the staff to make the right decision to pick a quarterback that's going to make this offense the best, if that's truly Connor Bazelak, and not one, but two four-star quarterbacks couldn't beat him out, I'm going to feel disappointed, even if Connor Bazelak's awesome. Does that make me a terrible person? No, because Connor Bazelak's not going to be awesome. Let's just be honest about it. Um, Connor Bazelak is a fine quarterback, but this year the problem has been that he's also throwing the ball to the other team a lot. He got a really high clip. And if you're going to be the stylistically the quarterback that he is, well, you, you can't be on pace to throw 12 interceptions on the season. And if you look at what he's done against FBS opponents specifically this year, it's nine touchdowns to seven interceptions. That's not good enough, man. It, if you're going to be the dink and dunk and let's see what ends up coming out of this when I'm checking down all day long and super quick passing game type of a quarterback, that, that's fine. You can you can win that way. We've seen it, whether it be at Missouri or elsewhere. It has worked. But you cannot have the turnovers. You can't give the ball to the other team if that is going to be who you are. It makes it so difficult to win consistently. You have such a small margin for error, and that is why going into next year, if you want to increase that margin for error, because if you're already getting those mistakes, you might as well get the big plays that come with it or that are supposed to come with it. That's where a guy like Sam Horn or Macon, maybe Cook, but I think really those other two guys, they they make so much more sense to me. So um, this is not me trying to trash Connor Bazelak. He's a perfectly solid quarterback. And I think for a lot of teams, he would make a lot of sense for them. But the interceptions have become an issue and he hasn't had the big plays come to counteract that. And you, you can't have one without the other. I agree. The interceptions are bad. He's good at avoiding sacks, but like. <sighs> I think some of that is the scheme. I, I do. I, I, I agree. I think you have to give him credit. Absolutely. Because he's avoiding them, but also he's getting rid of the ball so quickly that it becomes less likely that you end up getting. Sacked. And like when he climb, when, when he climbs the, the pocket, like he's, he's just looking for Tyler Beatty. <laughs> it's it. There's. Which is smart. It is, but like it's not going <laughs> really anywhere. Good. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. So the the thing that actually bothers me the most, it, it has nothing to do with the same story that the broadcast trots out every single year about how what offense he ran in high school. The boy doesn't run. He doesn't run. He doesn't avoid a sack and then turn up field and get three or four yards out of it. He last year, 2020, in 10 games. He ran 32 times. This is non-sack. He ran 32 times for 107 yards and two touchdowns. That's 3.3 yards per carry. It's nothing flashy, but like he did it over 10 games, 32 rushes, 107 yards. We are seven games into the season. He has 11 rushes for 51 yards. That's 4.6 per carry, but 11, (laughs) 11. Like he, it's like he actively refuses to run. And this is why I feel like he's actually injured, which is why the, the comments about drink was from earlier about, you know, being injured. I'm like, are you sure he's not? <laughs> because why? I know he's not a mobile guy. I know the, the staff doesn't feel confident to trot out any other quarterback other than him. So they don't want him to get, take unnecessary shots. I've seen how he runs. It's like a wounded goose. 
I've seen how he slides. It's like sitting on your butt and then butt scooting the extra two yards. He either can't run, can't slide, or doesn't want to. And when your offense has to score, it is beneficial to have a quarterback who can draw some attention because he is a threat to run. I'm not saying he's got to be Mike Vick. I'm saying he's got to be Drew Locke, who would sling it all day. But if you're if you're dropping eight and everything's covered, Drew would tuck it and run. He'd get three, four, five yards. Get something out of nothing. Connor Bazelik doesn't do that. You know who does do that? Based off of their high school film? Tyler Macon. You know who does do that? Based off of high school film? Sam Horn. They are willing to run. Now, granted, that's high school. I don't know what it's going to look like in, when you get to college. But they are showing a willingness to do that. And when your offense has to score because your defense is so bad, you need that extra threat. And that's something that this offense lacks. The, the quarterback running threat. And if he's not going to do it, someone else should be doing that. And I hope that next year, either A, he's healed up and willing to run, or B, someone else gets in there who will run. Yeah, I, I think that's a totally reasonable proposition. Like, it's not just that you can run; it's that you're you have a threat to run, right? And and that's that's something that he has not shown this year at all. At every at every opportunity, he's been like, "Nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go ahead and, and I'll just I'll take this two yard check down, even when it's there for him, and he's got a guy that's like kind of in front of him, but that's covered. But if they turned around and they made a block, he could maybe get around him." But just do a little pitch to him. It's been really weird to watch. And that is one of the reasons why I do wonder, is there some sort of not injury, but something that he's fighting through right now? And it, it, whether the answer is yes or no, that question is going to continue to be asked until we get some sort of definitive answer or until the season's mm -hmm. over. Well, again, be really curious to see a lot of things, what the linebackers look like now against Fandy and against Georgia. And also do, do we mix it up with the quarterbacks? This is, this is the most uh, aggressive statement that Eli Drinkwitz has made in certain terms of quarterback competition. Let's see if that translates to anything on the field. We'll find out on Saturday. Speaking of Saturday, there is a football game two o'clock. The Missouri football tigers go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. You all know what happened last time. Missouri went to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. I don't need to rehash it here. I won't rehash it here. But it is in everybody's best interest to win this football game. We said it at the top. Doesn't matter how. Just win. BK is going to be a little apprehensive if it's a two-point win. I understand that. Just win, baby. That's the theme of this year. Uh, Vanderbilt is bad. We've talked about that. The only other P5 team that's worse than Vanderbilt is Kansas, which, LOL, Kansas. Um, but Vanderbilt doesn't really do anything well, either on the offense or the defensive side. Uh, and that's been true literally all season. Now that's not going to be true against Missouri. They're going to turn into what I say in the preview, the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers. They're going to run for 200 yards. Uh, their running back excellently named Rocco Griffin will probably double his season yardage against Missouri. Uh, that's all just going to happen. What's the, the actual interesting thing is how the offense responds. Can they stay in position, uh, not break serve, essentially, not give away the ball to the Commodores, give them an up, a couple chances to score, because they will. Um, it's just, it's. I feel like it's going to be a back and forth, and I don't know who what players are going to make the difference on offense or on defense, uh, but you got to hope that it's a North Texas situation where Missouri kind of jumps out to a little bit of a lead early and then cruises and doesn't put in their backups and give up 28 points. Uh, that's, that's what you hope for. But um, th there's just, it's going to suck all, all day. And even when, if they win, you're just not going to feel good about it. I guarantee you. Can I, can I give you Vanderbilt's yards per carry on the season per, uh, per carry um, per game? Sure. Are you ready for this? Game number one, 2.7 game two, 2.8. Game three, 5.6. Woohoo, buddy. That's what I'm talking about, Vandy getting feisty. Game four, 
1.9. Game 5, 3.2. Game 6, 2.6. Game 7, 2.7. And game number 8 against Mississippi State, they averaged 0.5 yards per carry. On the season, Vanderbilt is averaging 3 yards per carry. They are one of the worst rushing offenses in all of college football. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. How many yards do the Vanderbilt Commodores average per carry against Missouri this weekend? Realist, I'll give you my realistic answer. Like, I'm not saying this is a joke. I'm not trying to be facetious. I think they average 4.8 yards per carry. I'm dead serious. I was going to say six. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Well, neither one is good. I mean, why yeah. not? <laughs> I, I <laughs> like, stop them. What have I seen to suggest otherwise? Uh, what did what did Missouri do to North Texas? Uh, huh. Missouri held North Texas to four point eight yards per carry. That is the best on the season. There you go. So that 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 is the best they can do. So <laughs> I hope they can hit that. Oh my god. Um, and they still gave up what two hundred eleven yards to the mean green something like that so Mm -hmm. (laughs) god they suck if i set the over under at 150 on the ground for vandy in this game what do you take over i'm mortgaging the house on over (laughs) oh my god that's so easy (laughs) so where would you set the over under i would set it at 200 they've been over 110 once this year and it was against stanford it's the only time that Vanderbilt has gone over 110 yards. They had 105 against South Carolina, 105 against uh, Connecticut, and 105 against Colorado sure. State. And then randomly, a 250 yards on the ground performance against Stanford, which I can't explain. <laughs> but other than that, they've been abysmal all year long. And you're telling me you think they get to 200? Yeah, I'd set it at 200. I would take okay, the under at good. 200. Good. I would. But if Vanderbilt wants to win this game and God, they want to win this game. They feel like they can win this game. They're going to do. I hate so badly that they feel like I they know. can win this game, and I'm not. I'm and I'm not sitting here like, yeah, you guys are stupid. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I'm so I'm so mad I that know. that is the case. They're, I I'm telling you, they're just going to run it. They are only going to run it, especially since Ken Seals, their uh, starting quarterback last year and starting quarterback this year, is injured. So it's a backup quarterback, which. It's Mike Wright. Mike Wright is their backup quarterback in one and a half games. Mike Wright has run for 38, 38 times for 156 yards. Oh, good Lord. 4.1 per carry. Oh, come on, man. So that's all they're going to do. Rocco Griffin, Ramon Davis, Mike Wright. Get to know those names. They're going to be trotting all over the Missouri defense all day. Um, it's just, it's going to be bad. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's our preview. It's going to suck. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, it is going to suck. I do think I was about to say, you're not kidding though. That that's, that's real. Like that's, that's where we are right now with this defense and it's frustrating, but I mean, our listeners are smart. They, they know it. They've watched these games. It's not good. Yeah. 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 The thing that you got to be feeling pretty good about is just defensively, they're, they're ass. Just huge chunks of ass. 74th against the run, 130 against the pass. And to specify, you're talking about Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's defense. Yes, yeah, sorry. There are two <laughs> ass defenses that will be taking the field on Saturday. Just I'm talking about sure. the better one, which is Vanderbilt's. Um, but they, they suck at everything. They, they suck at everything. They're a little bit better at the run, but... In passing down situations, 128th. Against the pass, just in general, 103rd. They don't give up a lot of big plays, but they will give you every little dink and dunk passing play that you want. Um, And they are just helpless in the red zone, helpless in third down, cannot hit you with a blitz, cannot get a sack to save their life. They're at 2.6 sack rate, 2.6%. That is the worst in the nation. Like, Missouri's offensive line should be in pass pro all day, and have no pressure on whoever is the quarterback. And the receivers should be getting plenty of separation. This, this is a winnable game. <laughs> oh 
my God, I'm like convincing myself. This is a winnable game. If Missouri offense does exactly what it wants to do as it has done all year, pass to run, ball control, keep the defense on the, on the sideline. It can be done, and it can actually be done comfortably if they do this right. You only need a couple of turnovers from the defense to force Vanderbilt to throw, which they like to do, and they're actually pretty good at it. But our pass defense is also very good. And just keep them away from the front six and then hope to God that you get a couple of turnovers. And, and this can be an easy win. It just It's just not going to because nothing's going to be easy this year. I hate this game. I hate it. 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 The over-under is set at 63 in Vegas right now. Uh, Missouri is a 16-point favorite. That seems hefty. That seems pretty hefty to me. I I would take Missouri. I, I think they're going to win this game, even though it's on the road, and that hasn't gone very well for Mizzou in recent you got a score years. prediction? But Missouri 41 Vandy 31, something okay. like that. 10 points. Yeah. Yeah. I think something like that feels about right to me. I think Missouri's going to score a decent amount. In this I agree. Game. Um, but I, I just, I think Vanderbilt will too. <laughs> but the problem is like the way that Vandy's going to score is it's going to take a lot of time off the clock. So maybe I'm just expecting too many possessions. So maybe it ends up being something closer to like, 34 24 or 31 21 and there's just very few possessions in the game i was thinking 35 24 because i'm with you i think it's going to be a, a fast game and i think it's going to be possession heavy also you know vanderbilt's not a super fast team i think they are yeah they're 74th in pace or number of plays um that they run per game so they're not i mean they're on the slower end but certainly not glacial like texas a&m was um so i i don't yeah I'm, i i don't think it's going to get to a point where missouri will have the opportunity to score 40 plus i do think they get close i think i'd say 35 like i said and vanderbilt will score too so i'd say 24 you know just just enough to make it uncomfortable but like you're not super threatened in the end but you're still mad at yourself that you wasted three and a half hours sitting down to be entertained by this game so um yeah, such is life in uh, following 2021 Missouri football. Yeah, welcome to being a Missouri Tigers fan in 2021, where at least you got Luther Burton. <laughs> <sighs> and by the way, after this game, you'll probably be hopefully be 500 again. So that'll be nice. I mean, it'll only last a week, but that'll be nice. <laughs> it will. And, you know, then you get uh, South Carolina, which is quickly becoming a coin flip game. Um, but South Carolina's quarterback is gone for the year. Uh, Luke Doty is. So it's going to be Zeb Nolan, which he hasn't been doing great. And by the way, South Carolina only beat Vandy by one. 21. And we're losing for most of it. So these sorts of things can happen. There's that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This entire season, I remember I do miss the 10 win talk. That was a nice month of optimism. I didn't think it was going to happen, um, obviously, but I did miss that optimism because now we're just fire everybody and everybody sucks. But that's not the case. It's a rebuilding year. There was always an opportunity that they just really sucked very badly this year and that that has come to fruition. But again, you're looking long term. Everybody getting their lumps right now is coming back next year. Uh, you got reinforcements on the way on the offensive side, especially Luther burden. You got a couple defensive linemen on the interior who could probably make an immediate impact. We're going to get some transfers coming in or some Juco's coming in. This team's coming together. It just sucks when you're in the middle of the rebuild and having to lose all the time, but this is part of the process. And uh, I'm certainly not feeling bad about the future. I'm not, you know, Drinkwitz is going to get his full contract to figure this thing out. And I'm sure he will. Um, it's just, it sucks to be in the middle of a rebuild. It's only better when you look back after we're having one 10 games, you go, Oh yeah, <laughs> that was totally worth it. That that's, that's going to be okay. <laughs> that's going to be when this gets fun. Uh, in the meantime, we're not there yeah. yet, but we'll get there. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here, BK? I don't think so, man. Um, I'm excited for this one and next week to be mm -hmm. over. The The real, the, the heart of the season, at least what's remaining, is the final few weeks of the year. 
Um, that doesn't mean that they're going to be a lot of fun either to watch, but at least there's there's some intrigue for me in those games. The next two, this one needs to be a win. It should be a 100% lock that it's a win, but because this is college football and because Missouri doesn't have a very good defense, it's not, but this needs to be a win against Vanderbilt. And next week, just just stay healthy uh, against Georgia. That That's the only goal in that one. So these ones don't have a whole lot of intrigue. I get it if you're a Mizzou fan and you're kind of watching with one eye and you've got the other games on in the background. I totally understand that. But after that is when it gets a little bit more fun to watch mm-hmm. again. And we'll be there covering the whole thing for you. So that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment. We love all types of feedback from you guys. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. And you can listen to BK on the radio in St. Louis, 101 ESPN. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.